InnoFactor, Cybersecurity Studio, Markus Söderblom and Janne Nevalainen. And welcome to Cybersecurity Studio, where we take a look at the latest trends and events in cybersecurity. In the studio, we have the usual suspects, Janne Nevalainen and Markus Söderblom. Welcome. So our first news is uh, quite big, and we talk about open SSL vulnerabilities. So open SSL is widely used to encrypt communication channels and connections, uh, which are used, for example, in websites. And also a lot of uh, vendors use open SSL. And uh, two vulnerabilities were revealed, and uh, one is a stack buffer overflow that could trigger, for example, crashes or lead to remote code execution in target systems. And other can be exploited by attackers, for example, to trigger a, a denial of service state via a buffer overflow. Right. So quite nasty, quite nasty uh, vulnerabilities. And uh, open SSL versions uh, 3.0.0 to 3.0.6 mm -hmm. are affected. So okay. the older versions are not affected by this. Okay. And uh, well, the best way to mitigate the threat is to patch the versions to use the latest OpenSSL version 3.0.7. Yeah, that's a major impact, concerns many organizations around the globe. Hu yeah, yeah, huge yeah. thing, huge thing. Okay, but uh, what fun do you have in your bag? Well, my first news is about the, uh, how crackers have abused uh, an antivirus software to oh, launch my. a malware. Yeah. So there's a sideload uh, process going on here. So what is this all about? So there was this uh, Chinese Cicada hacking group called APT10, uh, which has abused the security software to install a new version of the so-called load info malware against Japanese organizations. And the, uh, the targeted uh, entities are basically Japanese media groups, diplomatic agencies, government and public sector organizations and so forth. And according to Kaspersky, the well-known cybersecurity company, uh, they've been following this APT10 groups or operations since 2019. And it seems to be that the group is constantly evolving with their in infections or infection tactics. And, and, and basically now they came up with their own custom backdoor, uh, the one which I just mentioned, the load info. And, and in, a, in a nutshell, how does the, the process work? So, uh, well, there's the usual typical phishing usually involved and, and how do they try to get the hold of the, the victim. They most likely send a, a phishing email with a link uh, or, or maybe an attachment. Uh, however, whatever is, is the, uh, the, the process, the, the end result is to get the victim to download a RAR archive. And, and so, so basically the problem here is that uh, as this malware is, is using legitimate security applications, uh, the other possible security software installed in, in the PC are unable to detect it. Uh, kind of interesting, especially the, the point that uh, there's the uh, legit security software involved in this. Okay, so you can, you can say that uh, the next news is also quite ugly. So um, uh, Australia, Australian health insurance provider Medibank has been breached. Mm -hmm. And actually, this is quite of old news because this happened uh, in October. Okay. So this is quite of old, old uh, right. breach. But uh, after the breach, there was uh, uh, notice that uh, 9.7 million people's 
uh, data was stolen in the breach. Wow. So the hackers got uh, over 9.7 million customers' information and over 200 gigabytes of data. Oh. And uh, what makes this quite nasty is that uh, the hackers got uh, personal identification information right. on the customers' data. Mm -hmm. For example, email addresses, phone numbers, names, mm. date of birth, passport numbers, health claims data, and so on. Oh no! Medibank uh, refused to pay, pay the ransom for the mm -hmm. hackers. So what did the hackers do was that, of course, they wanted to leverage a little bit the threats, oh. and they uh, published uh, selected records in the dark web right. and for example customer data uh, about um, people who had uh, sought medical treatment for HIV or drug addiction or for example oh, no. No. Uh, abortions or al alcohol abuse and uh, lots of diff different uh, sensitive subjects. Right. And the story still continues and um, there are traces that uh, behind the breach was a Russian hacking group. But okay. uh, this is ongoing investigation right now. But uh, you can say right now that it's quite bad. It certainly sounds like, yeah. yeah. A lot of sensitive information and yeah. extortion involved and, and yeah. so forth. Yeah. All right, moving on, Janne. So next, an illegal advertising revenue generating mobile malware has infected Google App Store. Okay. So according to well-known cybersecurity company McAfee, as many as 16 different malicious apps with over 20 million downloads have been recently taken down from the Google Play Store after they were caught committing a mobile ad fraud. So the malware called Clicker masqueraded itself as seemingly harmless utilities such as cameras, currency converters, dictionaries and, and so on. The point was to trick the users into downloading them. And this specific malware basically generates illegal advertising revenue and can de therefore kind of disrupt the whole mobile advertising ecosystem. So in that sense, it's a bit serious. Uh, once installed and launched, it enables the malware to visit bogus websites and stimulate ad clicks without the victim's knowledge. And to the end user's mobile device, this specific malware may cause heavy network traffic and, and also consume power without any user awareness, right? Well, this is unfortunately nothing new in the Google Play Store. There's been multiple similar cases before. Yeah, unfortunately, that's very true. That's right. All right. Well, hey, let's move on. So uh, our next news uh, is a good uh, reminder that security is always uh, evolving. And uh, attacks on MFA have uh, had dramatic rise in right. the past year. And uh, things as uh, MFA fatigue uh, have been in the news, for example, in the Uber case, which we talked earlier. That's true. And so CISA has released guidance to organizations uh, to make MFA stronger, like using techniques, for example, like phishing-resistant MFA or number matching, so that um, classical uh, push notification is not the MFA anymore, but you need to, for example, type in some uh, numerals right. that you see in the screen. And uh, of course, uh, uh, hardware-based and certificate-based MFAs are also suggested. For example, like uh, YubiKey, mm -hmm. that can enforce the MFA to be non-fishable. Right. The next news is also based on, on CISA, as the CISA releases a vulnerability management framework. 
So the North American Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, has published a guide on stakeholder-specific vulnerability categorization called SSVC methodology. Well, in a concept level, it's a bit similar to CVSS and, okay. and MITRE Act frameworks. So uh, maybe some of you guys are, are already familiar with, the, with those frameworks. Well, this methodology basically assesses vulnerabilities and prioritizes remediation efforts. It's based on exploitation status, impacts to safety, popularity on the affected product, and it is displayed on a decision tree guide. So it, it basically functions in a way that you can visit the CISA's website, uh, this SSVC website. There's a uh, tree-based, decision tree-based questions and you're able to answer these questions and, and continue with your assessment and evaluate the stakeholder-specific vulnerabilities. Uh, and the found vulnerabilities will be categorized as track, attend or act. And organizations can use this tool freely to prioritize the known vulnerabilities based on assessment of five different decision points. And they are exploitation status, technical impact, automation, mission popularity, and public well-being impact. So these kind of tools are, are very essential and useful in, in many ways and they can you know address for example uh, and makes it easier for organizations to understand for example the vulnerability impacts to any given products and addresses uh, for example supply chain attacks and, and, and answers to issues in, in cross-team communication such as who fixes what. So imagine if for example the, the colonial pipeline company would have had these type of uh, tools uh, uh, before their well-known supply chain attack happened uh, back in a few years ago. Maybe there would have been a make a difference. Okay, but I think we are done. Yeah. But uh, before we go, uh, Marcus, you had some announcement. Well, that's true, Janne. Uh, we have an upcoming webinar about security monitoring coming up on, on 24th of November. So we're going to be basically introducing to various concepts related to current cybersecurity monitoring technologies. Uh, so check out more info from our website. But hey, we we'll see you next month. Stay safe. Stay safe. Innofactor Cybersecurity Studio. Markus Söderblom and Janne Nevalainen.